Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 122 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the reviewing. Let's waste no time. There wasn't too much really on last week. We're gonna we're gonna go over to last Thursday, which was the eighth of February. One fight to mention, of course, it happened over in the Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida, USA. It was the last fight of, let's be honest, a complete boxing legend in Roy Jones Jr. It was to be his seventy fifth fight here. It was strangely for the vacant. WBU German version cruiserweight title. I don't think it's really a strap that you know that has much um, you know much status to it. To be honest, it, it hasn't got much credibility. But anyway, he took on a guy called Scott Sigmund, who once again I don't really understand how both of these guys are fighting for a German title, but it is what it is. Um, Scott Sigmund again, he was no great shakes. It was you know his, his record was okay, I suppose, when you look at it on paper. Um, you know, hasn't really fought you know, the types of guys that Roy Jones has fought. But finally, Roy Jones has decided to walk away from the sport. He did it on a W, which was very good. Of course, he, you know, he was such a great fighter in his day. And, you know, he's gone out um, on a win, which, you know, he certainly deserved. He went on probably about 10 years too long. But yeah, his record now will finish on, hopefully, um, 66 wins and 9 losses. Scott Sigmund now 30-12 and 12 with one draw. It was a 10-round unanimous decision in favour of Roy Jones Jr. It was 8 rounds to 2 across the board. All three judges agreeing with that. So, yeah, hopefully he stays retired. But a lot of people believe he will be back when, you know, when the next... Um, you know, lump of money gets waved at him sort of thing. So hopefully he stays away from boxing because for me, you know, he's been a fantastic fighter and I think he could be diminishing his legacy and I think he certainly has diminished his legacy, but... It gets worse and worse every fight. Um, moving over now to Mexico, there was there was one fight to mention over here again. Not too much on last week, but Miguel Roman picked up uh, win number fifty nine. He's now fifty nine and twelve. His seventy first fight there. It was for the vacant WBC Fecker Box Super Featherweight title. He took on a guy called Aristides Perez. Um, Miguel Roman picked up the knockout in round four. It was only scheduled for ten. Um, Perez is now thirty one and eleven with two draws. I don't really know too much about him, to be honest. Moving over now to the Box Nation card as well that also uh, took place in Mexico. Miguel Bushelt, 32-1 going in, of course, defending his WBC World Super Featherweight title against Maxwell Awuku. Awuku was a Southpaw um, African guy. Um, I think he possibly fought Liam Walsh before. I think he may have lost to Liam Walsh quite a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Well, anyway, he got TKO'd in the third round. I think he was down three times in total in that third round. 
the first sort of one or two rounds, I suppose, was especially the first round. It was very much a feeling out kind of process of a fight. There wasn't too much landed. The first round was quite a boring one. In the second round, it seemed like Miguel Bachel was, you know, kind of finding his range and stuff like that. And then in the third round, that was really it. I mean, Awuku was massively overmatched, to be honest, and I think we all kind of said that going into the fight. Miguel Bashout now 33-1. and one. I'd like to see him take on some of the other guys at Super Featherweight. Of course, one of them being Vasyl Lomachenko. Moving over now to Poland. Two fights on this bill to mention. Um, Krzysztof Waladzik. This is the guy that, of course... Uh, you know, was was knocked out of the World Boxing Super Series tournament. He returned to the ring here. His record 53 and 4. Well, it's now 54 and 4 with one draw. His 59th fight, he made his opponent retire on his stall after two rounds. It wasn't televised, this one, but yeah, his opponent was 17 and 14 anyway, so it seemed like a bit of a mismatch, but again, he needed an easy way back in after being knocked out very early on against, um, against Gassiev. Um, and also on this bill, I should mention, former WBO Cruiserweight World Champion Christoph Glowacki. He picked up um, his 29th win inside 30 fights. He actually he didn't have it all his own way. He was knocked down in the fifth round. It was a scheduled eight-round fight. And his man was 6-0, and so maybe he, he could be quite a guy. You know, quite a good fighter. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, the guy was six and zero. His name was Sergei Radchenko. That's not Rabchenko in terms of, you know, the same sort of surname as the guy that's taken on Kel Brook in a few weeks. It was Radchenko. So yeah, uh, eight round unanimous decision for Glowacki, despite being down in round five. Moving over now to another part of Poland. Strangely enough, the controversial flyweight Prince Patel. He was on this bill, though he wasn't anywhere near the flyweight limit in terms of his weight. He actually weighed in um, at... I'm, I'm looking at this now. He's, he's, he's actually weighed in, in in the lightweight division, unbelievably. I don't know what he's doing, but he's moved up quite a few weight classes there to go from flyweight to lightweight. And, you know, he, he extended his unbeaten record with a TKO in the very first round over a guy who was 0-2. and two. Um, again, Prince Patel, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him, but he's now 9-0 and with one draw. Very controversial draw, I should add, also. There's one or two more fights to mention from last week. Uh, we're going to go over now to the DVIS, or the DIVS, I should say, in Russia. A guy on this build that I haven't heard of, but his name's Shavkatson... Rakimov, he's 11-0, and 0. he is the IBO World Super Featherweight Champion, he took on a guy called Malcolm Klassen, who was 33-7 and 7 with two draws, he actually became the first man to stop Malcolm Klassen, it was an 8th round TKO, so maybe Rakimov seems to be, uh, you know, that's, that's a really good win there, so perhaps he's going to be something special in a few years to come. Um, also on the bill, I should mention Dmitry Mikalenko, 22-2. and He lost a split decision over 10 rounds against a guy who was 7-1 and called Islam Dumanov. That really seems like a huge upset there. Um... Moving over now to the Devonish Complex in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Again, we are the only podcast that goes from venue to venue. Some of the other podcasts will not even, uh, you know, give these fights a look in, to be honest. And it's, it's pretty unfair. But yeah, here, Luke Keeler, 13-2. and two. 
managed to get a draw over six rounds against Adam Jones. And what I've heard, I've heard that it was actually uh, quite a fortunate decision for Luke Keeler. I think, you know, he got a little bit lucky there. Adam Jones, again, is that journeyman. His record's now seven wins, 29 losses, and six draws. He's actually unbeaten for two fights in a row now, which I don't think he's done uh, for, for quite a few years. So, yeah, big up to Adam Jones. Really, really tough and rugged journeyman. I think he's fighting Umar Sadiq, um, perhaps, I think maybe February 24th. That's the Frank Warren card, obviously. I think that Sadiq's certainly jumping in the deep end a little bit there. Again, Adam Jones never been stopped in 29 losses. Tough as hell. Um, moving over now to the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The former world champion, Demarcus Corley, 50-28 and 28 now. He's gone on a little bit too long. He's got one draw. Well, he found himself on the deck in the fourth round, and Hank Lundy, also known as Henry Lundy, he extended his winning record to 29-6 and six with one draw. This fight, of course, was at lightweight, which is where Hank Lundy likes to fight most of the time, but it's very hard for him to get a fight there. But yeah, he actually picked up a win here, unanimous decision, like I say, over eight rounds, so I'm pleased for him, but apparently it was quite a good fight. Also on the bill, Hassim Reckman Jr., who, like I've said before, you know, he seems to be a promising prospect coming through. 3-0 and with three first-round knockouts. He had a last-minute replacement, a guy that was 3-10, and and it was only a four-rounder. But anyway, he... He got the win, but it was a majority decision over four rounds. I've spoke to him, and he says that he certainly felt that he lost one of the rounds, which I think was very honest for him to say. So he believes he won the contest 3-1. But, you know, if, if you saw one of those rounds where he says he got three, and you say, hmm, one of those rounds, I think the other guy won, then it should have been a draw, you know? So these four-rounders can be very tricky. I've said that many times also. There was one more fight card to mention. I think it happened earlier this week. I think it was on Tuesday. This one was over in the Sands Bethlehem Event Center in Pennsylvania, USA. It was on Tuesday. So, yeah, the 13th of February. Two fights to mention on this bill. Michael Fox moved to 16-0. and 0. It was a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Ricardo Garcia, who was 14-1, and 1, now 14-2. and 2. Michael Fox, again, I've said he's the guy that's um, he's only 140. And he's six foot three and a half or something crazy like that. And also on this build, the main event, Kermit Sintrom, the former world champion, uh, he got in there in his, boy oh boy, I think it's coming close to something like 50 fights now. He's 39 and six with three draws, I believe. He took on a guy called Marcus Taylor, who was only eight and one. And it ended up being a no contest because Sintron was cut from an accidental head clash. Um, that was in the third round, I, I believe, and it was it was called a halt in that third round. It was only scheduled for eight, but yeah, a no contest there for Kermit Sintron, so I'm sure he won't be too pleased with that. Um, but yeah, that's really it for the reviewing. I've flown through that as quick as possible. Like I say, we really like to touch on some of the small hall shows, not just in the UK, but worldwide. And uh, yeah, that's the roundup from last week. Of course, just before we end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome... Guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC world title challenger, Mr. Gavin McDonald. Gavin, welcome to the show, mate. Nice one, mate. How are you doing? 
Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. I know that you've just finished the public workout today, Thursday, of course. So we last spoke, Gavin, back in January of last year. It's been quite a while. It was just before your challenge for the world title against Ray Vargas. And I remember speaking to you, obviously, before that fight and also after that fight. I think it was maybe uh, maybe the week after or two weeks after at the Bellu versus Hay 1 press conference. Or not press yeah. conference, sorry. I think it was the... Maybe they did a... I think it was the weigh-in at the O2 wouldn't it and uh yeah, yeah well. I, I remember that you you know you were gutted and we had we had quite a nice conversation i remember it was uh me you and, and, and your wife and how long did it take really gavin for you to not forget about what had happened but you know to be able to kind of put it behind you and concentrate on what's ahead um i mean the disappointment's always there um as in like i really wanted to win and 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 it's it's just one of those things like but the, the, what I do take out of it is, and it didn't take me long to really, took me a couple of days to really deep down, because I knew I couldn't have done no more. Um, I had um, a great camp. There was nothing nothing I could have done better in camp. I mean, it cost me a fortune. Uh, nutrition, training, everything. You know what I mean? It cost me a fortune. I, I pulled everything out, bagging, training. And I did everything I could in the fight and, and I left it all in the ring and, and, and I was willing to get knocked out to try and uh, try and knock him out and get the win, do you know what I mean? Because I know I was getting beat on points. So, um, I mean, I did everything I possibly could to win the fight. So I think when you when, when you do that, you can just put it to bed that little bit easier because there's no what-ifs or, do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those, like, everything. I, I did everything I possibly could and just a better man, the better man beat me that night. And uh, but I do, I still get a little bit disappointed when I see WBC title, and I think, you know what, I was close. Um, but then I just tell myself, look, you couldn't have done no more. Uh, and then it, it soon forgot about. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad I got the chance to fight for it. Do you know what I mean? And, and hopefully we can get another crack this year. Yeah, hopefully so. Like I say, no shame in losing. You know, a fight like that. It was, um, you know, it was against a really good fighter and and somebody that's proved a couple times since that he is a really good fighter in Ray Vargas. Um, you did, you did, however, close out the year with two wins. Obviously, a points win in July and a first round knockout win over Joseph Ajtai, which was in October. Now, Ajtai is a man that, of course, went two rounds with Andrew Selby. I mean, I'm getting the measuring stick out a little bit here, but he also yeah. took. Zhu Shim in the distance, so a first round knockout sounds pretty good to me. Um, at the end of 2017, though, when you you know when your mind's off boxing around that sort of Christmas time, did you deem 2017 as a as a successful year, or would you have said it was like a fouled year in your opinion? I think that you didn't do much wrong. I think you did okay, Gavin. To be honest, mate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't really think I'd done. I had a bad year, like, and then I started. I sat down with my wife and I, and, I, and I thought about how it was, how the year went, and it was terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, obviously, I had a world title shot, which I'm, I'm do you know what I mean? I, I'm happy I got the chance and, and Matt Chum backed me and, and they pulled him over and I got that chance. But I sort of expected to come from that fight, maybe have a little tune up fight and straight back in a big, in, in, in like a big fight because I thought I'd done well and, and I thought, you know what, this, I, I can crack on now. Uh, They'll, they'll, they'll pull me back and I'll be back in big fights in no time and boxing's one of them like you know what I mean you sort of like it, it can be took, taken away quite fast and I sort of just got forgot about you know what I mean I, I had two I, I had a fight on Steffi Ball, Ball my manager's show 
that was a little six round of which I didn't mind coming back and doing one of them because it's where all my hometown fans are. I didn't mind coming back and giving a bit. And then the one in October, I was expecting to have a, a bigger fight, and obviously a lot of stuff fell through. And um, I think we were supposed to, we were supposed to fight Gamal then, um, one thing or another, and, and we didn't end up fighting. And I ended up with a last minute, and I sort of did ten week training, and it's all my numbers and everything. And then I got in there and sort of just like threw about eight punches and, and do you know what I mean? Got to him a few times and stopped him. So I looked back and I thought, do you know what? It's been a been a terrible year. Um, but they say you've got to you've got to go through the bad times to appreciate the good times. And one thing I do take from it is I never took for granted before like my position or anything. But this this time round, you know what I mean? I'm really going to make it count and um, and and really. Uh, take what's there this time, you know what I mean? And I think that's why I think uh, they've put this fight at the wrong time because I'm at, I'm at the most hungriest now. And and as you mentioned there, I mean, you know, that fight's now happening March the 3rd at the Sheffield Arena on Kell Brooks' undercard. You take on the unbeaten prospect and brother to world champion Cal Yafai, Gamal Yafai. Obviously, it's an all-British affair. Obviously, it's, it's it's a big fight. Is it just business, this fight, Gavin? There's no bad blood there or anything, is there? No, there's not. There's not no bad blood. Do you know what I mean? Um, as the fight gets closer, um, you you put it to the to, to the side. Do you know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong. I wanna I wanna go in there and do damage now. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I've got to. Do you know what I mean? Um, I've got to go in there now. Do you know what I mean? I fight. Although I feel like I'm only just getting going and whatnot. I, I, my career's not lying. If I, if I get beat by somebody, somebody like Gamal, do you know what I mean? Who's not proven. Really, too much, and I mean, he's got it all to prove. Um, and I'm just looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's a big fight for me, as in big domestic fight, and it gets me me pumped. And I'm back where I belong, really, back on the the, the big scene in the big fights. Um, and this a good win here will, will really push me uh, for this year for a big big 2018. And you say there, Gavin, that you know this is a fight that's, that's basically a must-win fight. Obviously, it's for the WBC international title. Now, you're still yeah. world-ranked with the WBC. Should you win this fight, will it boost your ranking? Because if not, what would really be the point in taking this? Because obviously, as you know, if you was to lose this, it would put you in a really difficult position to come back from, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you'd think it would me, push me up the rankings. Um, do you know what I mean? As long as I'm in big fights, a big fight after big fight... It all come. I, I know boxing. You know what I mean? Is is you just got to be get that momentum and be in the big fights. Um, you'll get your chance. You know what I mean? Um, so I just hope by end of 2018, all going well, I can get a crack at a world title. Um, do you know what I mean? But I don't mind a couple of big fights, uh, whether the domestic fights, world level fighters. Just want to be in big fights. And what do you know about Gamal as a fighter, Gavin? Obviously, he's got the amateur experience that you don't necessarily have, but then you've got the professional experience that he doesn't have for sure, and that's surely uh, you know what matters in the professional ranks. But what do you know about about him? I know um, he's, he's a good fighter, um, and he's, everything what's been asked of him so far, do you know what I mean? He's, he's come through, but he obviously has to take a, a jump. But I think. Something with someone like me who, who's proven might just be that little bit too much. I think the the experience uh, of me being there. I mean, I fought a lot of a lot of fighters who'd give Gamal if not beat him on the best day. Do you know what I mean? I've had a lot of good, tough, unbeaten fighters, European world level fighters, very good fighters. 
and I've come through all them. I mean, I've only only fight I've lost is Ray Vargas for a world title. Other than that, you know what I mean? I'm I'm untouched. Um, do you know what I mean? All, all throughout British and, and European, even then up to like um, fringe world level. Do you know what I mean? I've I passed it all and 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 I was doing well. It's just I got I got beat by a really good fighter um, in Ray Vargas, um, and that's where I want to pick it up now. I want to I want to get a good win in and and then and then crack on. Do you know what I mean? Because I know I'm that level. Um, Foggy Mal, do you know what I mean? He he's yet to be, he's yet proven. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. He might have it. He might he might turn up. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he might have that that special bit of talent, but I don't think he has. Um, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I think I'm better all round. Um, do you know what I mean? He's calling the beast, and but he, do you know what I mean? I just I, I've been there, done it, and seen it. Um, they don't bring that new table and already seen before. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good fight. But one, I'm more than more than confident uh, coming out with a win and, and looking well. Yeah, certainly a fight I'm very much looking forward to. I've got to ask you this also, Gavin. What's the latest with your brother Jamie? I know that in his last fight it didn't end the way anybody wanted it to end. Um, the general consensus was that he'd probably vacate and move up in weight. I haven't seen any kind of official announcement. There's all kind of rumours that he's going to be flying over to Asia to defend. You know, can you shed any light at all or, or tell us when an, an announcement may uh, may happen at all? I know as much as you. I know they're in talks of that Anui. Um, my brother don't shy away from no fight. I know uh, that Anui is a good fighter, very good. Uh, he's a bit of a beast down them little weights, but my brother always finds a way. And these are the fights what get him, him motivated. And don't get me wrong, he's up against it, but as he always, as always, you know what I mean, he always comes through. And he's been up against it all the time, and he comes out, and he'll find a way. Uh, so if we have to, if we have to go to Asia, Tokyo, whatever it is, um, we go over there. Do you know what I mean? And prove he's the, he's the best bantamweight um, in the world. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully they get an announcement and get it nailed. I just know I, I do know they're in talks. Um, hopefully it's, it gets made. And just to confirm, he, he hasn't vacated the the title. He's still at bantamweight, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. yeah. He was. He, I think he won moving up um, at one. Well, he's, there's always been up and down, saying this, saying that, but. Then Summit comes along and it gets his, his blood flowing and it's one of them, um, if he fancies this one, do you know what I mean? And the bigger the fights, uh, the better he performs. So hopefully they can nail it and, and, and he can just go over there, smash him, prove it's best at, at Bantam and then move up to Super Bantam. Yeah, that that would be absolutely brilliant. And I want to ask you this also. In December, Gavin, I was asking everybody what was on their Christmas wish list for 2018. And even though we're halfway through February now, I feel that it's still a pretty valid question for you. Um, when you started boxing, obviously, you know, everybody knows that nobody really gave you much of a chance of winning anything. And you went on to remain undefeated all the way up until world title level, which is unbelievable. Obviously, along the way, you know, you won the WBC silver title, the British title, the proper European title, the WBO Intercontinental, and of course, um, the very first title was a Central Area title in only in only your seventh fight. So I've got to ask you, Gavin, for a man not really given much hope by others, you've done everything but won a world title. As we step into 2018, is that the ultimate yeah. goal to get another shot? It's the ultimate goal, um, and it is for most fighters, but it, it definitely is for me, and I know I'm capable of winning one, um, given it if I just got to turn up on fight night, and um, you know what I mean. It's just one of them. And um, on that night, I was, I was beaten by that, that that bit better fighter all around. Uh, 2018, 
I just want big fights and I'd be disappointed if I didn't get a world title shot by end of year. Um, all going well, I can pick up some big wins um, first half of the year and then, and then I'll be shouting for a world title. Um, do you know what I mean? I want to get some, some momentum, be back in big fights and then, yeah, world title fight is definitely what I want. Yeah, brilliant, man, brilliant. And on BoxRec, I've got, I've got to point this out. Maybe, maybe you probably know this, but to the listeners also, on BoxRec, your brother's ranked the number one bantamweight in Britain, rightly so, and you're ranked as the number one super bantamweight in Britain. I just think that's quite a cool thing for two twins to be ranked number one in Britain at both their respective weights. I think that's amazing. Um, this week, of course, we will be seeing a huge, huge all-British world title fight. George Groves, Eubank Jr., I know that you You'll be watching it somewhere, Gavin. Who wins that fight? Um, yeah, um, I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it more like Sunday because it tends to go on a bit late for me. Um, I'm normally stuck on by nine, ten o'clock, but um, I'll be watching, catching up Sunday morning. And I think I've been on in an island and picking the children. Um, it's one of them fights like they both can really win it. Um, George Rose is, is big, strong, powerful. He got the experience. Eubanks, um, he's got point to prove. Do you know what I mean? He's younger, fresher. He's got that good stamina, but can he take the power? Um, do you know what I mean? Coming up in weight, um, will George go gas like he tends to do? Slow up, and then and then Eubank maybe take over. I mean, you can really make a case for both fighters, but I think you have to just lean to the the bigger, better man. Always beats a good little man. Do you know what I mean? So I think you've got to favour George Goals, but I think he won't have it easy, and it might be. Close, very close, especially when he took back in the fight. If it gets up that way, you know what I mean? The both can it. Uh, well, I'm just looking forward to the fight itself. Do you know what I mean? I don't really care who wins. Um, do you know what I mean? I just know it's going to be good. I think Tom Smith beats, probably beats them, beats them both in the final anyway. Um, so, I don't know. It's one of them. Um, I just edge towards probably George Groves, just because he's a bigger, bigger guy. Do you know what I mean? An experience. Yeah. Nice, no, certainly a fantastic fight. Obviously, everybody um, who's remotely a boxing fan, even if they're perhaps not, will be watching this one. It is a, a brilliant, brilliant fight. Brilliant that it's happening um, first and foremost, especially for Eubank finally fighting a fighter that uh, yeah. everybody wants to see him in with. And finally, yeah. Gavin, um, anything that you may want to say, anything that you want to get off your chest at all to the listeners, anything at all, just take it away before we let you go. Just, just want to um, thank all the fans, you know what I mean? Like... Um... Yeah, the fans, you know what I mean? We, we just want to give them uh, good, entertaining fights, and I think this, this fight will be um, entertaining, you know what I mean? And it's, 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 you know what I mean? It's all for the fans. I just want to thank them all. I hope they all come show up and have a great night. And also just thank all my sponsors, you know what I mean, for, for um, helping me achieve the dream. Um, and look forward to, to March the 3rd. You can give the sponsors a little shout-out if you want, Gavin, one by one. Yeah, but... Um, um, my main sponsor is Mitten, Mitten Group. I've got um, C&D Leads, uh, Lodge Cleaner, uh, Safe of Carpets, Coral. Um, I've got a, a mate of mine, Jamie Smith. He, um, he always helps that. And Stuart, uh, a mate of mine called Stuart Colgallon. Um, do you know what I mean? And I've got my manager, Steffi Boy. I would like to give him a shout-out. And, and my trainer, Dave Colwell. Uh, my Stanford conditioner, uh, Danny Wilson, and um, I'm a nutritionist in, in, in Mayer. You know what I mean? We've got a good a good team here um, and a loyal team. You know what I mean? They always back me. And I just look forward to, uh, you know what I mean, getting a big win and, and we can all celebrate in style. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I remember one time before I, I let the uh, the undefeated heavyweight Nick Webb thank his sponsors, and he, he actually went on for about five minutes. He was thanking his mum, his girlfriend, a lot of them. But you just yeah. did it in 30 seconds. That's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> we out we out, we out backers and, and people supporting you. It's a lot harder, do you know what I mean? Like people don't see it's hard enough boxing and training, but then you've got, you, you know what I mean? You've got, you've, you've got the financial side. Boxing, it's an hard life, do you know what I mean? And, um, it's nice to have people who, who who support you, as in the fans. You know what I mean? Uh, help you, support you, and then you've got your, your family and your sponsors. You know what I mean? Who, who help make it possible to? They're all doing it for me to go achieve the dream. You know what I mean? Of being a world champion, um, all for me. You know what I mean? So credit to everybody who, who stands by me and helps me. I promise I'll make 2018 a big year. Yeah, absolutely. We certainly hope so. Okay, listen, Gavin, it's always a pleasure, mate. You know that. Best of luck for March the 3rd. I'll be cheering you on, and we'll certainly catch up again afterwards, I'm sure. Nice one, mate. We'll try not leave it a year, yeah? (laughs) Definitely. Cool. Yeah, nice one, mate. I'll speak to you soon, yeah? Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is... The news part, I keep saying it's going to be the review part, and then I say we go to Ayaz uh, with the news first, so I'm going to stop doing that. We're going to go straight to the news with Ayaz every time we start part two. So Ayaz, take it away, my friend. Right. Um, Huey Fury will face Sam Sexton on May the 12th. Yeah, I mean, I I said something on on Twitter yesterday. I tweeted Peter Fury. Obviously, um, I don't want to bang on about it too much, but you know, I've, I've I've had a good relationship with the whole Fury team for 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 many years now. Really, um, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to walk Huey out to the ring and the rest of it, and you know, spend some great time in in the dressing rooms before and after fights. But I am a little bit critical of the situation. The reason being, obviously, Huey Fury was you know, largely, very, very largely inactive before his world title shot against Joseph Parker, and now. It seems like I really think he should have fought a lot sooner than you know than than he's fighting now because I actually felt that he beat Joseph Parker quite comfortably, but he didn't get the decision. It was quite bizarre, especially you know the fact that it was on UK soil. But I am quite surprised that he has waited this long to get back in the ring because I think for me he's kind of proved that he's on that world level now, and it seems like a bit of a step back. To, to, to you know, to go and try and chase the British title. Now, I'm not disrespecting the British title. It's a fantastic belt, of course, but he's he's challenged for a world title. He's skipped the domestic scene and gone on to challenge for a world title. And really, a lot of people feel he should have got the nod that night. So, it seems like a little bit of a step back. I know that um, Peter Fury responded to me and said that. Huey will fight three times this year, which I'm happy about. He certainly needs to be more active than he has been, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit frustrated. I think he's 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 quite clearly a world class fighter, and you know we're gonna have to wait quite a while again before he, you know, before he builds himself back up. If he wins the British title, you know, I don't know what the plan is right now. Whether they'll try and you know go for one of the big guns again. I know he was ranked with a WBO. I'm not even sure if he's still world ranked, but yeah. I mean, I, I wish him all the best, of course, and um, yeah, we'll look to probably get Peter on in the, in the coming weeks, I suppose. Ryan Burnett has relinquished his IBF belt, but will defend his WBA, WBA belt on the Joshua card. Yeah, it's a mandatory defence for him. Um, I, I don't really know too much about the guy he's fighting. Um, I forgot his name. Do you, do you remember his name? I as the guy he's fighting. It slipped me. Oh, I can't remember his name. 
let me quickly quickly pull that up a second. Um, uh, yeah, the guy's name is Jon Frez Parejo. He's 21-2 and two with one draw. He's got 10 knockouts. Of his two losses, he was knocked out once, and that was to a guy called Hugo Ruiz. That was back in 2012. Obviously, uh, Hugo Ruiz was, uh, was, a, was a world champion. Um, yeah, and his most recent loss was a split decision loss to Zanat Zakhainov, who, of course... Um, was the guy that Ryan Burnett unified with and beat. So, Styles make fights at the end of the day. When you look at it on paper, if he lost to Zakayanov and then Ryan Burnett beat Zakayanov, then, you know, you, you kind of would say, well, he's going to probably win this one. But, I don't know. I mean, pff, I don't know. Hopefully it's a good fight. But like I say, these mandatories, you kind of, you can't really blame him for taking the fight. It's a shame that he's had to drop one of the belts. It would be good if some of the sanctioning bodies could put their heads together a little bit and, you know, give these people a pass. If they've got two belts, then they're trying to, you know, bring it all together and make one champion in each division. But, you know, the, the, the sanctioning bodies don't want that. They just want to get money, 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 don't they? So... It's a bit of a shame, but um, you've got to give him a pass. You can't be angry at him because if he doesn't take a mandatory defense fight, then he loses his belts, doesn't he? So it is what it is. We'll have to give him a pass, and I'm sure he'll win this fight in, in devastating fashion. As Victor Postel is injured, Julio Sundongo will step in to face Regis Projace for a vacant WBC uh, boxing interim super lightweight title. Yes, Regis Progre was on our show last week. Um, it's a shame because I was really kind of grilling him about all the, you know, all all his knowledge on Victor Postel. I was saying, you know, um, you know, I was asking him everything about Victor Postel, and he he knew quite a lot, and he seemed, uh, you know, he seemed to really know his stuff. And it was it was a real pleasure talking to Regis Progre, a really exciting up and coming, uh, you know, prospect, but. Unfortunately, I mean, like he said, he wanted three names. He wanted Crawford, he wanted Adrian Broner, or he wanted Victor Postel. He had the Postel fight, and unfortunately, um, Victor Postel's had to pull out. So now we've got Julius Indongo. And some people online are saying, oh, he's going to absolutely smash Indongo. That is no given. That is a seriously hard replacement opponent there. You know, that really is. I mean, who would you favor against Postal and, and Indongo? Some people would say Indongo. That's a hard one there. So, you know, credit to Progre. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for him because it's, it's such a... It's such a crazy thing to kind of switch to that because obviously Indongo's a southpaw as well. It's you know this this could be a real. I mean it's, this is dangerous. You know this is this is really dangerous. This could be a real banana skin. And Indongo, I'm sure will will absolutely fight his heart out. He's only got the one loss to Terence Crawford. Yeah, it was in devastating fashion, but he's a good fighter, and we saw that against Ricky Burns. You know, so it's a really, 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 really tough fight. Regis Progre did say that he wanted to outdo Terence Crawford and stop Victor Postel and, you know, do it in better fashion kind of thing. Well, he won't be able to do that, I don't think, here against Indongo because, you know, Crawford got him out so early and, you know, I think Progre would really have to start fast if he tried to get him out before, you know, before that. And I don't think he'd be able to, but I think he still wins Progre, but it's a very hard fight, possibly a little bit harder. And I hope he's, you know, got enough time really to prepare for it. Joe Cordina will face Andy Towen on the Joshua Parker undercard. Yeah, Andy Towen then is a guy that... 
Um, you know, he's he's a decent fighter, really. He can punch as well. You know, he's a good fighter to a certain level. And it's a big step up for Cordina in terms of the professional fights. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, you know. It's, it's a decent undercard fight, that one. And finally, the IBF have ordered Emmanuel Rodriguez to face Paul Butler after Ryan Burnett vacated his IBF bantamweight world title. Yeah, um, you know, this 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 is the good thing, I suppose, about this. I mean, Ryan Burnett has had to vacate one of his titles, but, um, you know, there's a chance that another Brit can pick up that belt. So that's the only good thing we can say about it. Obviously, Paul Butler, um, you know, he fought for for nothing the other day he fought he fought a guy he went eight rounds and, and knocked the guy out in the very last round i was criticizing him um on last week's show i think it was so yeah he you know he's he's in there now for a world title so you know he'll have to brush up a little bit because he hasn't been looking too great to be honest he looks a little bit deflated lately paul butler but of course he's with matchroom now and they've maneuvered him into that into that spot and um, hopefully we get another British world champion so that the belt stays in Britain so to speak but just with another boxer yep that's it for the news Okay, thank you very much, Ayers. Let's move over now to the previewing. There's one card tomorrow at York Hall, Bethnal Green. Unfortunately, I feel really, really sorry for Tamuka Mucha. He's been trying his best to fight for the English um, the English welterweight title. He was supposed to take on John Donnell, and that fight fell through. Then he, then they drafted in Freddie Kiewit, and that fight fell through as well. And unfortunately, Tamuka Mucha now won't be on the bill, so he's got to wait even longer. Moving down this build, there's a few prospects on the bill, and I was there at the public workout, or not the public workout, it was the press workout earlier on this week, so I was actually lucky enough to see some of these boxers up close, some of these prospects here. We've got Sam Gilly, 3-0. He's in a four-rounder against Daniel Bazo. Sam Gilly looked really, really sharp on the pads the other day, so uh, I'm excited to see him fight. Um... Linus Eudofia, I think that's how it's said. He's in a four-rounder. He's, his record's 6-0. He's in against a guy who's also undefeated, 2-0, Daniel Sturkovic. Um, we've got uh, a guy here called Anesu Twala. He's 3-0. Um, I think he's 3-0. All of his fights have been points wins, but he looks like he's really banging on the pads as well. He seems to be really, really hitting the pads smashing them that's a four-rounder there he takes on reese saunders uh there's a guy also on the bill here mo garib i really liked his attitude ron mcintosh interviewed him after his workout he's got the right attitude he seems like he's got the bit between his teeth he was kind of saying that um he he's in boxing to become a world champion he's not here to become a british champion again he wasn't disrespecting the british title he was saying look i'm on these freezing cold morning runs and it's i'm i'm not doing it for anything less than a world title so you know i like his attitude there, Mo Garib. He's in a four-rounder against Jamie Spate, who we know very well. Also, Dean Richardson, 5-0. He's on the bill against Jan Balog. That's a four-rounder there. Jack Newham on the bill. He's in a four-rounder. He's only 2-0. Uh, he takes on Jan Korek. Um, Willie Hutchinson, of course, the uh, the Scottish amateur sensation. Richard Schaefer praised him highly when we had Richard Schaefer on the show. He's in his third contest here. I think his first fight was in October in the O2, the Indigo. And I think he actually fought on one of Tony Yoka's undercards 
um, in France, I think a few months ago maybe, just before Christmas I think it was, so yeah, Willie Hutchinson, he likes to get the job done early so far, he's in against a guy who is two and six, called Eric McConzo, Willie Hutchinson, really promising prospect, and of course the main attraction on this bill, the big heavyweight, Olympic silver medalist Joe Joyce, one and oh, making his second professional fight, is a 10 rounder against Rudolf Josic, who's four and one, so yeah, really, it's, it's a bit of a showcase bill, it's only Haymaker Ringstar's second card so um, yeah it's their second fight night so yeah they're just showcasing all their young talent here all the home fighters are all undefeated and hopefully touch wood uh, you know they all stay that way come come Saturday you know come Saturday because it's a Friday night bill this one I will be there at the York Hall absolutely cannot wait moving over now to the states at the Grand Sierra Resort and Casino Raimundo Beltran gets a crack at a world title his record 34 and 7 with one draw many would say he's been very unlucky to not already have picked up a world title again it's for the vacant WBO world lightweight title he takes on Paul Moses, who's 40 and free. That should be quite a good fight there. Again, Beltram really been impressing lately. He seems like a guy who we kind of thought was past his best, and then he's been able to recapture his prime. It's it's quite strange. Also on this build, there's a couple of fights I like on here. Um, a guy here called Ej. Oh, I'm going to really struggle this. A guy called Ejidush. No, that's. Let me try that again. Ejidush. Ejidus, I think, and his last name is Cavaliascus. Oh gosh. Anyway, he's eighteen and O. I've got a feeling that he did a bit of sparring, perhaps, or you know, training in the Robert Garcia gym. I could be completely wrong, but anyway. He defends his NABF welterweight title against the former world champion David Avanesian, 23 and 2 with one draw. All the very best to David Avanesian. Really, really nice guy, of course, from Russia. Um, and also on this bill, Shakur Stevenson, 4 and 0. He takes on Juan Tapia, who's 8 and 1. That's a bit of a step up there. And the heavyweight Bryant Jennings, 21 and 2. He takes on Akror Muralimov, who is 16 and 3. That's an 8 rounder there. Yeah, so all the very best to, to Bryant Jennings, another friend of the show, as for Shakur Stevenson as well, and David Evanesian. So three guys there that we've had on this show that are all good guys. Moving over now to Saturday. One fight to mention over in the Wit Arena in Waterford Island. I'm not quite sure if the fight's actually going to go ahead, but supposedly Mike Perez, of course, the crew, well, the ex-heavyweight, now cruiserweight, just bowed out of the, uh, the cruiserweight um, sector of the World Boxing Super Series. He apparently returns here. His record 22-3 and three with one draw. His opponent yet to be announced, but I'm sceptical that the actual fight will end up going ahead. Now, the Manchester Arena, I as the big one in Lancashire, United Kingdom, of course, the World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight um, semi-finals here. Of course, the winner will face the winner of Callum Smith and Jürgen Bremer that's set to happen the following week in Germany. Let's start, though, with the undercard, I think. Zach Parker, 14-0. and 0. He's in a 10-rounder against Adasat Rodriguez, who's 16-6 and 6 with two draws. Zach Parker really, really impressed me the way he absolutely obliterated Luke Blackledge. And I'm really excited for Zach Parker. I know he signed some kind of deal with the Sourlands. I think that they've really pinched one of our bright his prospects in the UK. I really like the look of Zach Parker. 
Um, also on the bill, another great fight here. Tommy Langford, 19-1. and He defends his British middleweight title against Jack Armfield. Jack Armfield obviously been in there with the likes of uh, John Ryder and the other guy that you that you beat. I think he... Was it Brian Rose? I can't remember who else he was in with, but yeah. He, he got a strange decision over... over um, over John Ryder, unfortunately. Again, John Ryder, good friend of the show. So is Tommy Langford, so hopefully Langford does the business here. But yeah, you certainly can't overlook Jack Armfield. He's an underdog in this one, which I found quite surprising. Uh, also, for the English Cruiserweight title, Arfan Iqbal. He's in a bit of a step up here. 12-0, and 0, he takes on Simon Valili, who's 12-1. and 1. Really, really good fight, that one. Also, another brilliant, brilliant fight here. Ryan Walsh, 22-2 and 2 with one draw, defends his British British featherweight title against the undefeated Isaac Lowe, fourteen and zero with two draws. It's been a it's been a bad few months, I suppose, for Isaac Lowe. Obviously, the fight um, against Dennis Shaylan over in Denmark, I think it was now that obviously ended the way it did, and you know, um, you know, it was a fight where he was kind of taken over at the point when the fight had to be concluded. So I feel quite sorry for Isaac Lowe. Then he had to watch. I think it's his gym mate or stable mate of some sort, but I know he's friends with Josh Warrington. He got the crack against Dennis Shaylan, and he was the one who ended up taking Shaylan's under defeated record so Isaac Lowe was a little bit hard done by there and he's kind of been neglected a little bit you know he's he's found it hard with sponsors and stuff like that I know he's got a day job as well Isaac Lowe really really nice guy again he's been on here a few times and um yeah he gets a shot here against Ryan Walsh and I think that Isaac Lowe is quite a big underdog in this one it's a 12 rounder obviously and this is one I as that we actually asked our, our you know our Twitter followers about and we did a poll and the poll was so close in terms of votes that I actually had to do a new poll just to try and separate it. It was really, really close. So just while I'm checking the results of the new poll, the second poll for this particular fight, what is your thoughts on that one, Ayaz? Ryan Walsh against Isaac Lowe, and who are you backing to win that one and how? Well, Isaac Lowe on points. Isaac I think Lowe on points, yeah? Yes, I think Isaac Lowe will do very good in this fight, and I reckon he can go on and win this fight. Yeah, I mean... I'm quite big on Isaac Lowe, as I've as I've said quite a few times before. But our listeners are actually going with uh, with Ryan Walsh to win on points, forty seven percent going with that, and the second most popular answer is Isaac Lowe to win on points, thirty five percent. So I am going to go with Isaac Lowe on points, also Is. So I'm going to agree with you there. Um, so yeah, best of luck to everybody on that and now the main event Ayaz I'm going to let you go first on this one of course for the IBO world super middleweight title which belongs to Chris Eubank Jr who's 26 and 1 he takes on George Groves 27 and 3 the WBA super world super middleweight champion it's a 12 rounder Ayaz wow that's all I can say take it away I think this is I think this is going to be a very very good fight obviously um, uh, the bookmakers is making it Chris Eubank Jr the favourite now, one of the reasons a lot I've, I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, Chris Eubank Jr. is going to win the fight. The way Chris Eubank Jr. wins this fight is with his speed. And I've he- been hearing that uh, I've been a lot of people been saying, yeah, Chris Eubank Jr. will beat him by, uh, uh, by stopping him with his speed. Let me say one thing. Chris Eubank Jr. is not a super middleweight. He's a middleweight. You're fighting George Groves. George Groves has been through some tough fights. George Groves, in my opinion, has the best job in boxing. I said it from the start. I'm, I'm going with George Groves win on points. And I reckon George Groves will win this. In order for him to beat Eubank, you're going to have to box him. You're going to have to stop him from um, um, doing that, doing his favourite move, which is the uppercut. If George Groves can stop his speed, 
then I reckon George Groves can beat him. George Groves is a natural super middleweight. This is a very tough fight. I personally think the weight's going to be too... I think for Chris Eubank Jr., it's going to be very tough for him to step up to super middleweight and fight someone like George Groves, who's, who's been with tough fights in like uh, Chudinov, Froch, and Vadi Jack. Jack. Yeah. And I, I personally think George Groves... James DeGale as well. And James DeGale, he's beating James DeGale as well. And I personally reckon, um, I reckon Groves is going to win him on points. And that's my opinion. That's, I think this is going to be a very good fight. I don't think it'll be a knockout. I think Groves will win this on points. It'll be, uh, um, the way he beat DeGale, he'll beat Eubank. Yeah, I mean, that one was obviously quite a highly disputed contest there. But yeah, some, some strong words from you, Ayers. That's a bit unlike you. Obviously, George Groves, like you say, Ayers, when he's on his game, when he's, you know, when he, when he puts that jab out and he's really good with it, which again, I've kind of said that it seems like he's neglected his jab a little bit in his last few fights. It wasn't really there against Martin Murray. It wasn't really there against Jamie Cox too much. Um, at Chudinov, I don't really think it was there either, you know. So I don't know if, if he's kind of neglected that lately, but he can't afford to do that here. Um, Chris Eubank Jr., you know, he's, he's relentless. Um, but yeah, what you're saying is is 100% bang on right about the, you know, the difference in terms of size. George Groves is a big super middleweight and Chris Eubank Jr. is a small super middleweight and an average looking, um, an average looking middleweight, really. Some would some would probably say he's quite a small middleweight. It's so intriguing. I mean, I've bought the pay-per-view already. I bought it I bought it earlier on today. And, um, you know, I'm excited for it. And to be honest, Ayers, I, I, I can see a stoppage. I actually, I'm going to disagree with you. I can see a stoppage. I don't know for which man. I don't really have much confidence in which man, but I really think a stoppage. I think that George Groves needs to start fast. Because I think that if Eubank Jr. really goes at him and pressures him, sticks it on him and wins a couple of those early rounds, then I think that if Eubank, you know, he gets a few of those early rounds and he's in the lead and then Groves is kind of chasing him a little bit, then I think it could really play into Eubank's hands. And I just can't... I, I'm, I don't know, I'm saying this with not much confidence, but oh, I think that George Groves may tire down the stretch and I can see Chris Eubank Jr. forcing a stoppage, um, a late stoppage, maybe in like the ninth round, something like that. But again, I'm going to go with Eubank to win by stoppage. But I hope I'm wrong because I'd like Groves to win. But there's just something since the fight got made. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I don't say it with much confidence, but it's kind of always been there. I've, I've always thought, I wonder if Eubank can really put it on him late and force a stoppage, you know, like a, a barrage of unanswered punches. Um, I, I can just see something like that happening. But like I say, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like Groves to win, but I think Chris Eubank Jr. might just do it. I really do. So I'm going to go against you there, Ayers. And the listeners have also gone with Groves to win on points. So they're with you on that, Ayers. I really need some points, so hopefully I can get some right this week. But yeah, I mean, everybody's excited about that fight. I certainly am, and don't even call me on Saturday because I am completely glued to the TV. Moving over now to the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino Event Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. This one is going to be shown on Showtime. I'm quite sad that no UK broadcasters picked this one up because it's quite a good bill in my opinion here. Um, so on this bill, we've got Ladarius Miller... Um, he's 14 and one. He takes on Argenis Mendez, 24 and five, with one draw. 
I wasn't meant to read that fight out, but I got halfway through the names and I had to carry on. But anyway, that's quite a good fight, by the way. Edwin Rodriguez, 29-2. and two. He's a good fighter, of course. He takes on Lionel Thompson, who's 19-4. and four. Um, David Benavidez, 19-0. and 0, The rematch, of course, against Ronald Gavril, who is 18-2. Benavidez was on our show last week and he predicts a knockout this time against Ronald Gavril. He's very, very confident. He actually told me exclusively that he's 90% confident. So that, to me, is... Uh, is quite confident, so I hope that David Benavidez can do that and become 20-0. and 0. Of course, he's defending his WBC World Super Middleweight title. He cannot afford to be put down in this fight at all, because Ronald Gavril was able to knock him down with a jab in the final round of the first fight, but that should be an absolute war. Another reason why I can't believe the bill hasn't been picked up by a UK broadcaster, but not only that, the main event, Danny Garcia, 33-1, and 1, takes on Brandon Rios, 34-3. and 3 with one draw. Um, One thing I will say, Brandon Rios, I've looked at him, and I've been looking at him probably for a a few weeks, you know, quite a few weeks now, and every picture that I see of him, he looks like he's in fighting shape already, and I've never seen that. He is really focused on this. He's back with Robert Garcia, which I'm happy about. He was down at the Ricky Funes's, uh, you know, Ricky Funes's 10 Goose Gym, uh, down in Van Nuys, and... um, I don't know, it was a strange little link-up. I mean, he did okay, but I think really and truly, if he's got, if they're able to put their friendship on the side, um, you know, and concentrate and knuckle down in training, then I think that Robert Garcia is the right man for Brandon Rios. I certainly think that. And it seems like that is, you know, that is what's happened because he is really, really in, you know, great, great shape. Danny Garcia also been quite inactive. Um, Yeah, we've got the the predictions on both of those fights. So let me just quickly rewind. I as David Benavidez against Ronald Gavril. The first fight, of course, went 12 rounds. It was a, I think it was a split decision now. Yeah, it was a split decision in favor of David Benavidez. What's your thoughts on the rematch? Who wins that and how? Benavidez, Gavril. Uh, David Benavidez on points. Benavidez points. Okay. Um, I'm going with Benavidez knockout, but I'm not, quite sure i'm not 90 percent sure like benavidez told me last week and our listeners i'm quite surprised but our listeners have gone with gavril to win by knockout so really i'm hoping i mean i love the listeners but i'm hoping that they get that awfully wrong <laughs> um but yeah danny garcia i as obviously he's still one of the top guys at 147 i'd like to see him in there with the likes of errol spence and the rest of it um the brandon rios fight i know that i have to say i think brandon rios has seen better days but he is in really really good shape and danny garcia's ring rust i'm kind of leaning to a garcia points win i don't see him stopping brandon rios um our listeners by the way believe he will stop him they're going with garcia by a knockout i I'm taking it you're going to go with Garcia as well. But which method, knockout or points? I'm going to go with Garcia on points. I've noticed, guys, you always go with people to win on points, like all the time. You've gone with four out of five so far. Let's see how we get on. Anyways, that's it for the Mandalay Bay. Moving over now to the Don Haskins Convention Center. This one, another decent bill, another one that I'm quite surprised wasn't picked up. Instead, um, we've got that bill on the Friday night, tomorrow night. Um, as I said earlier, who's on it again? I've completely forgot. Um, yeah, Raimundo Beltran. I'm quite 
quite sad that none of these bills have made it. This is, by the way, the final bill to mention of the previewing. Uh, this one is quite a star-studded bill. We've got Austin Trout returning to the ring, of course, since losing to Jarrett Hurd for the world title. His record, 30-4. and four. Again, he's trying to chase another world title, but he takes on here Juan the Angel, which I quite like that name there. His record, 20-7 and seven with one draw. Hasn't really fought anybody of note, to be honest, and hasn't really beat anybody of note, is what I should say. He's an eight-rounder, though. Austin Trout, I think, wins that quite comfortably. Um, also on this bill, Tony Harrison, another man that lost to Jarrett Hurd. His record, 25-2. and two. He's in a 10-rounder against a to-be-announced opponent. Also on the bill, a man that we will be speaking to shortly, Thomas Williams Jr., 20 wins and 3 losses, of course. He's coming off of 2 losses, unfortunately, both by knockout, one to Adonis Stevenson and one to the undefeated Olympian Marcus Brown. He takes on Humberto Velasco Torres, who's 18-1 and one with one draw. Um, Torres is a guy, really, he's got a decent record there, 18-1 and one with one draw, but hasn't really boxed anybody of note. That's a 10-rounder there. Also, we should mention on this bill, Jennifer Han, who's 16-3 and three with one draw. She defends her IBF World Female Featherweight title against Lisbeth. It's not Elizabeth, it's Lisbeth. Crespo, who's 12 and 3, that's 10 two minute rounds, of course. Also on this bill, Caleb Plant, 16 and 0, that's a prospect that I've been waiting to, to fight a big name guy, really, and I suppose to some degree this is the fight. In the other corner, Rogelio Porky Medina, a man that we know all too well. His record 38 and 8, a very tough guy, a guy that, of course, was stopped by David Benavidez in great, great fashion, and of course, he gave James Chunky DeGao a great fight as well. Well, so that should be a really, really, really good test there for Caleb Plant. And I really wish that this fight was being broadcasted in the UK. It's going to be on Fox Sports in the US, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I might have to find a stream. But the main event here, former world champion Devon Alexander, 27-4. and He's in a 12-rounder against Victor Ortiz, former world champion, 32-6 and with two draws. This, Ayaz, is a fight when I'm sure you will agree with me here. Victor Ortiz is probably past his best. Well, he's definitely past his best. And Devin Alexander, even though he's been quite inactive, you probably have to say he's past his best as well. It could be a really good fight, though, because they could both be at that stage of their careers where it could be complete fireworks. What I will say, I'm going to give you a little statistic here, and this is quite an interesting one. It's not one of those little Mickey Mouse ones. This one's quite interesting. All of Devon Alexander's fights since 2013 have gone the distance. All of Victor Ortiz's fights since 2011 have ended by stoppage. So somebody's routine will change come Saturday night. How do you see it though, Eyes? I'm going with Devon Alexander on points, I think. It's a 10-round contest, that one. No, no, sorry, it's 12 rounds. I've, I personally think um, now that Devon Alexander's obviously... Sitting- since he's lost to that Aaron Martinez, um, he's had a t- he's had a bit of time out, and obviously he's, he's won his last fight. But with this one, I think Victor Ortiz ain't the same fighter as before, and obviously sometimes he doesn't have the heart to fight. So with this one, it might be shocking, but I'm going to go with Devin Alexander by stoppage. Okay, I mean, listen, it's, it's it's fair enough. I mean, Devin Alexander's quite a tough guy. He's he's probably the more fresher guy, you'd say, even though he had a great amateur career and, and a long one. And Victor Ortiz, he's got six losses. Five of them have been by knockout. I mean, he's 
he's he's got more miles on the clock if you like and it's not really a, a you know a saying that I like to use too much but I think it it's quite fitting for this of course Victor Ortiz um and and Devin Alexander both exactly the same age they're both 31 they're actually 10 days apart they were only born uh, 10 days apart um Victor Ortiz is 10 days older than Devin Alexander so yeah um should be should be a good fight though I'm I'm really excited for that one it was actually Devin Alexander's birthday about five days ago so um yeah i might have to send him a birthday text but hopefully we'll get him on the show um next week providing that he wins um and yeah i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with alexander on points but yeah if he gets a stoppage over victor ortiz it's quite a big statement our listeners however have gone with uh let me just check they've gone with alexander to win on points as well so yeah i'm i'm agreeing with the listeners there you're going against the grain eyes and You've predicted four points wins and one knockout. Our listeners have gone with three points wins and two knockouts, and I've gone with three points wins and two knockouts. But anyway, all the best of luck to everybody involved, mostly myself because I really need the wins. I'm definitely going to have to stream one of these American bills on Saturday night because I'm not happy that they're not being broadcasted. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for the previewing. We've done the news, of course. We brought you the first guest. We, of course, did the reviewing. The last thing to do before we wrap up the show and end part two is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC world title challenger, Mr. Thomas Williams Jr. Thomas, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been a long, long time, but it's great to have you back on. Hey, man. Thank you, man. It feels good to be back. and. You know, uh, coming back into 2018 very strong and uh, putting on, you know, a great year and uh, upcoming super middleweight title run. Absolutely, absolutely. So we last spoke in the build-up to your fight against Adonis Stevenson. So it's been quite, quite, quite a long time. Obviously, that night wasn't to be for you. It was, it was a thrilling fight though. While it lasted, you you seemed to rock Stevenson along the way, but ultimately you were stopped in the fourth round. Not to dwell too much on on a loss, Thomas, but talk us through that fight if you can. Um, you know, uh, against Adonis Stevenson, um, I felt like um. I, I was showing that I belonged in, on that stage. Um, when I was coming forward, I felt like um, I was ahead. I felt like I was the dominant person. And he actually caught me when I was actually going backwards. So I changed up my plan, which I shouldn't have did because the going forward plan was working. And I changed it up and I got caught. And, you know, it is what it is. No, fair enough, fair enough. And obviously, since then, you've had just the one fight against Marcus Brown, the undefeated prospect, former Olympian. Once again, it was a bad night for you there. But, you know, we know Adonis Stevenson's clearly a world-class fighter. But in the pro ranks, Marcus Brown, to some extent, is yet to prove how good he is. Was it a case of he was too good on that night? Or were you not at your best? Or was it a bit of both? Well, um... Uh, not to take anything from Marcus. Marcus is a good fighter. You know, I've been known Marcus since we was in the amateurs. He's always been a good fighter. Um, I watched him come up through the ranks when he was fighting 165 in the amateurs and I was fighting 178. Um, honestly, I knew I would lose the earlier rounds to Marcus because of his style. I thought that I could wear him down and come on late. But, you know, the shot at the back of the head in the second round it kind of took everything from me. You know, a lot of people said I should have stayed down. You know, um, I could have could have got another fight. 
you know, uh, he could have got disqualified I could, if I couldn't continue. But that's not me. That's not my heart. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to my best every time. You know, um, I'm not a quitter. Um, I always try to fight. And, you know, it just didn't work out for me, you know. Um, but uh, he hit me in the back of the head when I was there, and it took a lot from me. It, I wasn't the same fighter. If you used to seeing me in my fights, you can just tell that I just wasn't there, you know. Um, but not to take anything from it, you know, um, it, it, it's a loss, but it's an arguable loss because when I lost against Adonis Stevenson, I just said, hey, he caught me, he beat me. You know, Marcus wasn't a, a fair loss to me. I felt like I was fouled. I felt like he should have been disqualified. And I felt like the fight shouldn't continue. Yeah, it certainly, you know, it certainly seemed to me anyway that you just didn't really look yourself. You know, I don't want to sort of, I'm not giving you a, a throwing a, a bone at you sort of thing to try and help you out of it, but I seriously think that it didn't really look like you in there. That's my honest opinion. And obviously, I mean, if th- if those two, you know, back-to-back losses was, was, uh, wasn't was enough, really, obviously outside of the ring, you, you had a very uh, a very bad situation come, obviously, uh, deeply tragic and, and untimely death in your family. Family. Please, Thomas, if you could, could you just, you know, shed some light on that for the listeners that may not know about that? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my stepfather, who was like my real dad, you know, um, he had went to work and he had came home. He got off about 2.30 in the morning and he was on his way home and a guy came down the wrong side of the street with his lights off and my stepfather never saw him and hit him head on. He died instantly uh, uh, from the impact. And that was July 21st, and, you know, that affected me in a huge, huge way. It's affected me to this point, you know. uh, He was a guy that I looked up to, a guy that I shared laughs with, shared, um, uh, got, you know, um, uh, what do I want to say? He got, um, sorry, you know, I I get real choked up, you know, talking about him. You know, um, It's, it's okay, man. You know, I get choked up, you know, talking about it. And, you know, sometimes, um, but uh, he, he's a person that I call to for advice, a person that my kids looked up to, you know, my brothers, my brother, who is not his blood son, uh, who he looked up to, you know, so it definitely affected me, you know, um, but I had people in my ear saying, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, but just get out there and go for a run and just take your mind to another place and, you know, uh, God, they get road work and listen to your music and just get in your zone. And eventually, after a while, I started to do that. And I know that that's what my stepfather will have wanted me to do is to keep going on and to keep pushing. Yeah, certainly. I know that obviously he was he was very much involved in you know in in, in your boxing career as well as your you know your personal life. Um, of course. So so yeah, really tragic stuff there, and you know it's it's it's. It's indescribable the difficulty, you know, when lots of negative things all happen at once in in anybody's life. And I commend you, you know, for keeping positive throughout it all. Obviously, 2018 is is here now. It's a new year. You've been given another opportunity here. Before we talk about the fight itself coming up in just a couple of days, how important do you see 2018, uh, you know, as as sort of to make it your year? How important is it that you do that this year? Um, it's very important. Uh... I'm moving down from the light heavyweight division to the super middleweight division. Um, it's definitely a division that's wide open. You know, uh, they don't have a dominant person. They they have a lot of good guys who are trying to make a mark at their weight. You know, uh, they don't have one dominant guy or one king of the division. We It's like a lot of guys 
trying to jump for position. But I believe 2018 is very critical. You know, uh, I'm not getting younger, you know, um, but nobody is. Everybody's getting older, you know. So 2018 is definitely a, a, a big year, a big year that team top dog must have. Yeah, absolutely. So you will be taking on Humberto Torres, who is 18-1 and one with one draw, a Mexican fighter. It's going to be in Texas on Saturday night on the Alexander versus Altis undercard. Do you know much about your opponent at all, Thomas? Um, I don't really know that much about him, but that makes him even more dangerous when you don't know that much about an opponent. You can't um, look up his past fights, or you don't really know a lot of people that he's fought. That can be dangerous, you know. That can be an advantage for him, you know, not being seen. And he can just come out there and totally throw me off. But with my amateur background and my um, my pro pedigree, I believe I've seen every style possible. I've seen the boxers. I've seen the bangers. I've seen the 50-50 guys who can do both. I've seen it all. You know, I've been knocked down. I've had a broken jaw. I've taken losses. But... To say all of that, I've fought the top guys in the division. You know, I, I, all my losses came from the top guys. My last three fights was against top light heavyweight fighters, all in the top 10 or top 15. So that's saying a lot alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, because I didn't know that you'd moved down to 168, but I was going to ask you, obviously, with Andre Ward vacating the titles, it seemed to have really opened up the doors for a lot of guys coming through. And in that time, obviously, you know, the IBF um, is now with Baturbiev, the WBA is now with uh, Dmitry Bivol, and the WBO champion now, Sergei Kovalev. It's really, you know, it's still a fantastic division. Every single champion out there is, you know, a huge knockout artist. It's really like a, a, a very difficult division to win a world title in um, yeah so it's, it's, it's a great time really for all the guys that were coming through when, when Andre vacated all the belts it was good for everybody in the mix sort of thing but yeah you at 168 um, yeah it's kind of took me by surprise I didn't, I didn't know that um, what are you making of that division there I mean the, the way that most of the UK fans saw it uh, James DeGaulle was probably the number one at that weight. But since he lost to Caleb Truax, you know, he looked terrible that night. And all of a sudden, we're not quite sure who it is. Maybe Gilberto Ramirez. How do you how do you see that division in terms of the champions? Obviously, we've got the World Boxing Super Series at that weight as well. Really interesting. It's definitely a division that's wide open. You know, I don't want to get into a point where I'm calling anybody out right now because I, ha- I haven't had a fight at Super Middleweight. But after Saturday, I'm ready to face the top guys in the division and I'm ready to make my mark, you know, because the division is definitely wide open. I want to ask your opinion on a couple of other fights, um, as, I, as I think I did last time. I know that you know boxing quite well. I want to throw two fights at you, Thomas. What's your thoughts on this? Who wins between Badu Jack and Adonis Stevenson on May 19th? And who wins a fight coming up the same night as you, actually, if you know um, much about these guys? George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr., two really thrilling fights there. I want to touch, uh, you know, I fought Adonis Stevenson. You know, when I looked at Adonis Stevenson on video, he didn't show me anything. You know, uh, I thought this guy is really, really raw. You know, uh, he just has a uh, punching power. But um, when I got in there with him, he did a lot of things 
where I could see why he was the champion. You know what I mean? He did a lot of things inside the ring. It doesn't look that good, but when he's in your face, it looks really confusing. You know, um, his power, everything that I've seen, his power wasn't too devastating. You know, because he hit me on my chin in about, I think, the third round or first round, and I and you can see me, like, punching my chin, you know, telling him to hit me again because it wasn't that strong like I thought it was. thought it was. But the one I didn't see was the big punch. You have to see all of his punches so that you can catch him and slip him and roll him because if you don't see him, then he has that knockout power. But if I had to go with someone... I would have to go with Adonis Stevenson. You know, uh, I haven't seen anybody challenge this guy since I fought him. You know, when I fought him, I felt like I gave him the best challenge he's ever had. Everybody else he fights, he pretty much steamrolls him. You know, um, Betty Jack is a good fighter, but I don't think, I just don't think he's going to beat Adonis Stevenson. I just don't. It's no offense to Betty Jack. I just don't think he has enough for uh, Adonis Stevenson. Now, this Chris Eubank Jr. fight and George Groves fight is a fight I'm looking forward to. I'm definitely probably going to miss it because I'll be fighting. But if I had to pick someone, I would pick uh, Chris Eubank Jr. You know, just think he's a little bit more explosive, a little bit more uh, faster, a little bit more powerful. I just think George Groves has taken a little wear and tear on his body, and I think Chris Eubank Jr. is a pressure fighter. Okay, yeah, I mean, I can agree with some of those things that you're saying. He's certainly the uh, the fresher fighter, certainly the quicker fighter. Um, he's he's quite quite clearly the the smaller fighter in terms of stature. I think Groves is, is probably the harder puncher, but nice. No, it's a thrilling thrilling contest, and so is the uh, the Badu Jack and uh, and the Donna Stevenson fight. Hopefully, they live up to our expectations. Two great fights. Yeah, two, two great, great fights, fights, two great it's, fights that I can't. I'll probably more than likely I would be in Canada uh, May nineteenth when uh, Battle Jack fights Adonis Stevenson, and that's that's just to go and uh, watch the fight, you know, because I moved down the division, so I'm not going to scout. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> And just before we let you go, Thomas, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners at all? Anything you like? Just before we let you go. Um, I just want to tell everybody, you know, we had a, a tough year, 2017, um, you know, but continue to support me. You know, um, we've faced the odds before. I was a 5-1 underdog against uh, Elmer Rodriguez when everybody thought he was going to beat me, and I knocked him out in the second round. Um, I've been here before. I've had to come back off the loss and then come back and steamroll everybody in front of me and then get a Don Stevenson. So I've been in this position before. Just continue to support me continue to watch out for Top Dog because I'm coming, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, listen, Thomas, we must certainly catch up a little more often for sure. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for Saturday, and we'll, we'll speak again soon. I'm pretty sure of that. All right, thank you. I appreciate you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 122 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. No world champions on this week's show, unfortunately. It's the first week since the middle of December that we haven't had at least one world champion on the show. But we've done our very best, actually, to get two guys that are as close to being world champions as possible in the shape of two WBC world title challengers. Of course, one being Doncaster's very own 
Gavin McDonnell and the other Maryland's very own Thomas Williams Jr. As always, thank you to the listeners for listening. Best of luck with the Prediction League. Five points up for grabs this weekend. Please, if you do get a chance, remember to leave us a review on iTunes. It always means a lot. A new t-shirt competition will also be coming very soon in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Eyes and ears peeled, of course. Enjoy your weekends, people, as I'm sure that you will. And we will see you all next week.